Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. Hey, this is Dale Calvert. I'd like to welcome you to session 107 of the MLMSuccess.com podcast. That's at MLMSuccess.com. I appreciate you being here. The title of this session is The Magician Controls the Culture of the Table. The leader creates the culture of their team. The leader creates the culture of their team. This is uh, number four in the, we'll call them magic mini series of the MLM Success podcast. You know, throughout these uh, sessions, the last three sessions, you've heard me talk a lot about EQ and seeing things as other people see them, understanding yourself, your audience, and so on and so forth. Uh, since we started these podcast sessions way back in the beginning, you know, you've heard myself and many featured guests talk about concepts like when your team is just on your team, when you're building your team, it's just as important to get rid of the wrong people as it is to keep the right people. And people say, what the hell? What are you talking about? Get rid. I'm just hoping they stay on auto ship one more month. What do you mean get rid? It took me forever to get them. No, it's just as important to remove, get rid of the wrong people as it is to keep the right people. Um, you know, we, we talk about you can only be str as strong as your weakest link in the leadership development of your organization. We've talked about, you know, you're really looking for people that you can get in the foxhole with and go to war with. And they got your back and you got their back and you don't have to doubt We've talked, a, we've talked many times about if you can find three to five people a year, a year that want it as bad as you do, you can control your destiny in this profession. And that starts, that starts with your ability to get your skill sets, your mindsets, and your activities to a point where you're getting through enough numbers where you're consistently enrolling three to five New team members, I like to say five five a month, five a month, five new team members slash customers a month. Then over that period of time, you will find the three to five a year where you can control your upside potential, your destiny within this profession. You know, over the years, uh, I consulted extensively with company owners and industry leaders about the culture that they create and ultimately how the culture they create dictates the type of people that they're, go they're going to be attracted to their company and or their team. And just over the past couple of weeks, you know, I've talked with two company owners and one of them was telling me, Dale, we just tracked a bunch of undisciplined people. They're just a bunch of partiers. That's what he told me. And I said, yes, that's because that's who your company caters to. That's who you cater to. Whether you know it or not, 
that's who you are attracting by the information that you put in the marketplace. And then I had another lady that's a corporate officer with a with a very well-known company. She said, Del, you know, the, the majority of our people are just really product users and they're not, you know, we don't really have that many builders in our company. And again, it goes back to what you put into the marketplace and it really does. So I, I really want to wrap our brains around that in this session. You know, looking back over my my life, uh, my career in this profession, I really believe uh, these type of ideas, concepts are really probably more EQ traits, uh, emotional intelligence, EQ traits than IQ ideas that are taught, you know, in business schools. And first of all, what I want to do is just kind of look at this from a magician's perspective. And, and hopefully you'll find this uh, meaningful and, and helpful. But, you know, guys, from the time I was seven years old, I was performing magic shows. My first show, I was seven, and I did it for a bunch of preschoolers uh, where my aunt worked. And, you know, that was my my thought process. Take every gig I can possibly get, do as many as I can. I, I love performing magic better than I the other odd jobs that I was doing as far as uh, mowing lawns and, and that type of thing. And when I was 16, you know, um, up until that time when I, I was doing shows throughout central Kentucky, uh, traveled with the Lexington Children's Theater, uh, one summer when I was, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. And we traveled all over the state with the show that was sponsored by IGA supermarkets. Uh, throughout Kentucky, and that was an awesome experience. But I did birthday parties, corporate picnics, company Christmas parties, schools, county fairs, carnivals, and on and on. And then when I was 16, you know, I, I got my driver's license, and I was able to really uh, drive myself and have more choices and drive myself to the shows you know, I really stopped. And I remember distinctly back then thinking about, okay, Dale, what is your best market? What is your best market? And I thought, well, it's parties in the horse industry, parties in the horse industry, you know, central Kentucky horse capital of the world, thoroughbred horses, uh, horse capital of the world. Those people have a lot of money. They pay well, they tip well. And then I thought, okay, what is the easiest to prepare and pack for? Well, without question, when I could do table magic at horse parties, that was the easiest thing because I just got a, a, a box with a close-up pad on top of it, like a briefcase, and carry it in, and I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, I didn't have to pack my doves. I didn't have to pack any other stage equipment. You know, give me a deck of cards, and I can entertain for a while, and then was add some coins and ropes and sponge balls and close-up stuff. Uh, definitely uh, parties in the horse industry. And then I said, ask myself, what's the most difficult crowd? What's the easiest crowd? The easiest crowd was kids' birthdays. And people might thought, well, that would be a hard crowd to work with. But, you know, after doing a few, I figured it out, you know, how to how to handle that real well and set things up in the beginning. And, you know, our magic words today is going to be happy. It's going to be abracadabra, happy birthday, 
Teresa, can we all practice that? And you, you, you learn how to uh, get the attention and maintain the attention of kids for 30 minutes. And that was easy for me, but the horse crowd was probably the most difficult. And in network marketing terms, the way I would describe this is birthday parties is like sponsoring somebody who cannot tell you no. And all of you have people on your team, people that you enrolled, and the only reason they enrolled is because they couldn't say no. Uh, they're the vacuum cleaner, cleaner salesman's dream client. So what I realized is I was having more birthday parties than I could do because, you know, mostly they were done on Saturdays and you book a one o'clock Saturday and then somebody else wants you to come at one o'clock on Saturday. And I had some, a couple of magicians that younger kids that I had worked with personally uh, over the years, by the time I started progressing in my teenage years, uh, you know, when I became 12 and 13, 14, 15, I had other kids that a couple that were competent and that I could delegate to using another network marketing term. So, you know, if they charge X number of dollars per show, then I could add $5 on that and sub it out, basically. No, I'm booked, but I can send somebody that will do a good job for you. And so I started thinking about all this when I was 16, and I thought, you know, if I could really focus on horse parties, horse parties, uh, parties in the horse industry in central Kentucky in network marketing terms would be like sponsoring up. The difference is... What you have found in business, many of you, when you go to business-minded people, especially people that are small business owners and have built a business from scratch, these are some of the most supportive people that you could ever work with or for in network marketing. Uh, again, I, some of you know I spent five years selling health insurance to self-employed people all over the state and met some awesome people. So it's kind of like that in network marketing, but horse parties, except you're dealing with the high, high end of snobbery in the world, and in, especially in Kentucky. Kentucky's an interesting state because, I mean, the nicest people in the world live in the state of Kentucky, but some of the biggest snobs in the world live in the state of Kentucky because, you know, they're, it's old money. And some of you in some communities, you know what I mean when I say old money, but this is third, fourth, fifth, sixth generations of, of human beings that never had to lift a finger and work a day of their life. And they're really, for some of these people, their only go really is they want to be seen in the right places and they want to be heard, seen and heard. And certainly not all of them. There's some awesome people that old money people in the state of Kentucky as there is around the United States. But th there's a lot that very snobbish, snobbish to everybody around them, uh, you know, because they were born with the silver spoon in their mouth. You know, it's not really them as, as much as the environment in which they were raised as it is with all of us. And all of our limiting beliefs are our unproductive attitudes and mindsets. So anyway, when I decided to focus on the horse crowd, I knew what I was in for. I knew what I was getting into. I knew what the good would be and the bad would be. But I decided, you know what, this is where I'm going to focus. And I remember running an ad in the announcements section of the 
newspaper under announcements. It didn't cost me very much. It was like uh, I pulled it out. Uh, I'll, I'll share it with you just for the fun of it. But the Keeneland sales happens a couple times a year to where, all they, where they sell all the thoroughbred horses and some of the horses go for millions of dollars. And, you know, people come in from Dubai and all over the world to the Keeneland horse sales. And it's a big time for parties in central Kentucky in that world. So I just said, make your Keeneland sales party one your guests will be talking about for years. Contact Dale Calvert, Magical Entertainer, and my phone number. And I ran that in the announcement section. And, I, and again, I knew that they wanted a party that their guests would be talking about for years. You know, everybody wants to know WI. FM, what's in it for me? So that's what the ad said, and I ended up, I had two calls, and I booked them both. And when they called, I can remember, you know, they left their message, and I called them back, and I was nervous, and I was really shocked when I quoted them, you know, for three hours, you know, 10 times the amount I would get traveling to 30 kids' birthday parties. And I knew that if I could just book a few, then I could initiate in that world what I call the keep up with the Joneses syndrome. And the keep up with the Joneses syndrome is everywhere, but it's really in that world. And it was like, well, you, we, you know, Charlotte had the magician, so we have to have the magician at our party. And I knew I could create that mentality in that world. And so I got a couple of these booked, and I'd done a couple before uh, prior to this, but I really wanted to focus on this niche, this market. And I remember, now if you can just imagine an old beat-up purple with hot, hot pink panels on the sideboard and on the trunk or the hood of the car, 1968. Ford Mustang, and this would have been in 1976, had a cherry bomb muffler on it, blah, 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 and that's what I was driving, okay, so 16-year-old, 1968, Ford Mustang, purple and hot pink, cherry bomb muffler, and pulling up to the huge gated farm, and hitting the call box, and it rings into the home, and and I say, yes, this is Dale Calvert, and I'm waiting for them to hit the button to open the gate. And they say, sir, we're sorry, you're not on our guest list. And I said, no, I'm the magician. And then I hear them go, and they, you know, they're talking to somebody in the background, and blah blah blah. And they say, oh yeah, yeah, buzzy man. And I'm going up this huge long drive, uh, and I know they're hearing me coming. <laughs> They probably heard me at the gate. And, you know, there's there's valets, parking cars, and they're looking at me like, what in the world is this guy all about? And then, you know, I get out, and I'm wearing a custom-fit, good-looking, custom-made tux that looks better than any of them and any of the guests that are already there. And then I go in this huge, huge uh, old home, and I say, you know, I, I, I meet the uh, the hostess, 
and she's extremely nice and we're glad to have you here and where do you want me and she put me in the middle of this room with a big eight foot table you know that was covered but a regular eight foot table in the middle of the room and from a magician standpoint that's the worst place I could have been because you don't want people behind you you don't want people looking over your shoulder you want a wall behind you, uh, and an eight-foot table is not real conducive to uh, what what I was doing. But you know, it, it was not her fault. And see, that's my point. It wasn't her fault. Uh, but that's that was my first one. And you know, so the, when it started, I got there probably thirty minutes before everybody with official start. And you know, for the next three hours. Uh, I'm in the middle of this room and you got six or seven people sitting around the peop- the table, some people walking by, some people standing and watching, some people behind me. And, you know, so I'm doing magic for, uh, you know, half drunk people for the next three hours. And, you know, it was like, how did he do that? And then somebody would say, you didn't see that. I saw it. And, and, of course, I knew he didn't see it, but I knew it was about him, not me. And then, you know, then you would hear have someone, Joe, you mean you didn't see that? You know, like, Joe, you're a moron. I saw it. And, you know, then you'd have all these comments. Well, I saw it. He changed the deck when you weren't looking. And it's like, I didn't change the deck. What do you mean change? And I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just smiling and doing my, my dog and pony show. And... You know, then I, I remember somebody said, well, that was the kit that I bought Jimmy Jr. last year uh, for in his magic kit for Christmas. And then it was so it wasn't real conducive, really, for me. I thought it was a nightmare, but they enjoyed it and they laughed and uh, they were fooled and they were entertained. And again, it wasn't about me and what was going on. It was about what was going on for the, those people. And, you know, I, I heard people telling the hostess, you know, hiring a magician was a great idea. Or, you know, one lady, he fooled my husband. My husband needs to be fooled. And, you know, where did you find that magician? And that so that kind of chatter was happening, too. And then at the end of the night, she paid me. She gave me an awesome tip and actually booked me for her fall party. I reserved the date that night. And, you know, I left and it was quite an experience. But and I made more than three hour booking with a lot less preparation than if I had traveled around and performed for 30 child's birthday shows. So I was okay. But the thing that I learned then that first experience, which I kind of knew what was coming. But when my first really focused experience, I learned, you know, what we all need to learn is to live, learn, and move forward. That's all any of us can do. So uh, I took some of my profits and I bought a couple of books from D. Robbins, which was a magic uh, magic prop supplier in New York City. And I bought one book. It's called Performing for Social Lights, which was really good. And then I bought a couple of other books just on understanding human ego. And then I, I called the, the next lady that I had booked and I said look I neglected to tell you I need a round eight foot table and put me in in a corner or where there's a wall behind me and what I'm going to do 
is is I'm going to walk around and I'm going to do close-up magic one-on-one one-on-four kind of mingle and then I'll go to the table for the next two hours and she said oh that'll be fine and yes I'll have a table for you so for me the performance the first one was a nightmare but I realized for for them it wasn't I mean you know they wanted me I didn't need them and you know, I decided next time, like I said, I'm going to tell them exactly what I needed. So I requested a round eight-foot table, uh, my back to the wall, and I said I'll do stand-up, walk-around magic for an hour. Then I'll go to the magic table the last two hours. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to figure out before I get into my 15-minute routines, you know, basically you have eight people sit around you go through about 10 15 minutes and then you know let the next group sit down and go through another 10 or 15 minutes some of the same show some of the same effects some were not and you did that until you know it was until your booking time was done and but what i wanted to do for that first 15 minute segment around the table is i wanted to understand who i was dealing with you know, and in business and in industry and in life, I think it's so much of the time we're in our own head and we're trying to figure out what we're doing, how we're doing it. And we're not aware of who are we dealing with? Who are we dealing with? So what I wanted to do uh, during this first hour is is identify who are the most engaging and vocal and uh, people that can enjoy the just enjoy the whole experience and didn't have a chip on their shoulder like, well, this is a war up against me and the magician. He's going to try to fool me and I'm gonna, not going to let him fool me. And all those mentalities that many people have who can just enjoy the experience, who can be in the flow. And I wanted to feel, figure out who they were. And then I was going to invite them personally to be the first eight people when I started the two-hour, 15-minute segments. Uh, So when I felt like somebody would sit down and and really engage and enjoy, and a lot of these people were dominant child personalities, naturally. And as the night went on, when I felt like somebody was sitting down that might be a problem, I would reach in my little case and I pull out a very, very common trick called the ball and vase. Ball and vase has been around for years and years and years. If you had a child that's ever had a magic kit, the ball and vase was part of that. It's, it's probably the most well-known trick in the world, the ball and vase. And what I would do is I would pull it out and I would just set it to the side of the table, but I would take the gimmick out of it where the trick was unworkable. And... I would do that almost as a test because if I got a vibe that this guy's a real smart aleck and he's going to, because this happened more than once, he, you know, and it didn't happen that night, but it happened uh, later on uh, during this time. And it was just something that was my standard. I pulled out the ball and vase and put it over on the side without the gimmick. And sure enough, almost every event some moron would sit down. Oh, I know this trick. Let me show you. I taught this to Jimmy. It was in his magic kit. And he would go through it. And then 
he would realize or not realize the gimmick was not there. So, buddy, you can't perform the trick. And he would kind of look like a, a moron in front of everybody. And then I would have no more problems the rest of the night. And kid shows, you you did early what's called a sucker trick, where people absolutely think they know how it's there, it's being done, and then at the end you just squash their mind. One of these is called the hippy hop rabbits. Another one is the sucker sliding die box. So when you establish that up front, then it really helps, you know. And comedians, comedians, some comedians have hecklers where you got somebody in the audience that just wants to be funnier than the person on stage and wants to shout out and talk about stupid stuff. And most comedians, they know exactly how they're going to handle hecklers. Again, hecklers are not the problem. It's you as a comedian or as a performer or a magician are not prepared to handle what you know might be coming. And see, I think it's the same in this profession. It's the exact same in this profession. And most people get involved in network marketing, they get heckled and go home with their thumb in their mouth, oh, this is not going to work for me. And that's what happens for most people within the first 72 hours that join your team. And to not understand that as a leader is to not prepare yourself at the level that you should be. So, you know, that second show with the round table, walking around, uh, getting the right people on, in front of the table in the very beginning with their laughing and having a great time. I mean, we just absolutely dominated. Uh, and that evening, dozens of future hostess asked me for my card or how they could book me. And we just rode. Uh, we just absolutely rode. And over the next few years, I became the magician at the big horse parties that were held in central Kentucky and I made a lot of money. And if I hadn't fallen in love with the network marketing business model, then there's a good chance that that's what I would have been doing today. And when at that time and place in the history of the country, there was not comedy clubs where magicians could perform. There was not cruise ships everywhere that book magicians, the, the, uh, the amount of opportunities at that time and place in history were not what they were or what they are today. So it was a different time and place. But, you know, I found the network marketing industry, fell in love with it and personal development and every aspect of it. And the rest is history, so they say. So the answer always is in the mirror. The answer is about getting better. If I had expected my audience to change uh, like some magicians do, all they're going to do, and like some network marketers do, all, all they're going to do is burn out and stay in a state of frustration. And I talked to so many network marketers, been around three, four, five years, have done well, but they can they keep in their mind, they think, well, eventually everything's going to change. Eventually, I'm going to find some good people. Eventually, this is going to happen. Eventually, that's what's, that's going to happen. And this happens a lot of times in a lot of network markers. Leaders, leaders create the culture of their team. 
you know, and it's really shocked me when people complain about their teams not doing anything. And I think, my gosh, you're the one that sponsored them. But in reality, what's happening, guys, is you're giving them too too much of your emotional energy. Too much of the emotional your emotional energy goes to the wrong people. They're either playing ball with you or they're not. And if they're not, it's usually because you're probably are treating them like a kid in dodgeball class who has 17 different balls coming at them because you're you're telling 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 but you're not that's telling people what to do over and over and over and over will never work telling people what to do over and over and over will never work instead you have to learn as a leader in this profession how to have, I call it a casual game of catch with people. You throw them the ball. You wait for them to throw it back. You throw them the ball again. You wait for them to throw it back. And this type of relationship is what will bring individuals down the road and help them learn, grow, develop, get over their hurdles, and achieve what they came to achieve in this profession you cannot effectively try to train people in groups you can teach concepts and ideas and principles but you're going to have to find somebody that wants to play and is willing to throw the ball back to bring them down the road guys this is so important you know again it's just as important to get rid of the wrong people as it is to get the right people uh you know, it's the, this game is not about trying to keep people excited uh, and on authorship while you're throwing dodgeballs at them. Uh, we're only as, as strong as our weakest link. You're looking for three to five of the right people a year. You find that by getting your skill sets and your mindsets to the point where you can consistently enroll five new members slash customers every single month. There's no question in this profession that action takers are the money makers. But the first thing you need to understand is that only action takers, only action takers are invited to sit around your table. You've got to, you've got, leadership cannot become part of the group. You know, everybody is free to stand and watch. But when an action taker gives up their seat, like when you're doing a magic, when you're doing the magic, if, if someone gives up their seat, then somebody else can take the seat. And you keep people around the table until the show's over. When is the show over? When they are at a point of delegation. Does that make sense? When, when they're at a point of delegation, then you can find somebody else to take the seat. Again, working with three to five people a year, in three years you're a superstar in this profession. But, but, but it has to be very well thought out exactly what you're doing, how you're doing it, and, and what you're doing to develop your organization. And you, you create the culture of your team. You do. Success in this profession doesn't come from finding the right person. It comes from becoming the right leader. It comes from becoming the right leader. 
And those of you that are members of the MM Training Club, you know, you know, the first thing you do is we have a system that we put together. Uh, do you want to follow our system or do you want to do it on your own? And if they say do it on your own, then do it on your own. You know, but if they want to follow your system and get plugged in, top 20 reasons, top three, 50 names we can practice with, that's the first ball. And yes, many people will never throw the ball back the first time. All you've done is saved yourself a lot of time. But if you can get into this, throw the ball you to me, you throw it back, throw the ball to me, you throw it back. And if they drop the ball, then you find somebody else to take the seat at the table. Just don't you as a leader drop the ball. And, and again, it's taking personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. The magician controls the culture of the table and the leader creates the culture of their team. This is Dale Coward. I hope you enjoyed this session. I hope you got value from it. I'll talk to you next week on another session of the momsuccess.com podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, Wisdom of the Ages training, or answers to your questions.